Hello, everyone, and welcome to the OMF Mindfulness in the Workplace podcast series. Each of these sessions explores a different aspect of mindfulness in different workplace contexts, as well as key themes that we believe will be relevant to support you. Previous episodes have covered mindfulness in a parliamentary setting, creating a speak-up culture, delivering mindfulness online, and mindfulness and emotional intelligence. So make sure you go back and listen to them if you haven't already. I am Makeda McKenzie, a teacher and trainee trainer with the Oxford Mindfulness Foundation. And today we are going to be exploring the practice of Shilla, how mindful self-restraint could transform the workplace. To help us with this exploration, I am delighted to welcome Ms. Erin Lee to our podcast today. Erin is a mindfulness coach and advocate of mindfulness as a way of life. She is dedicated to supporting individuals and communities in improving their mental health and well-being and developing skills of mindful awareness and self-regulation for better resilience mental flexibility, and emotional balance through the integration of attentional skills in both their personal and professional lives. Through Mindful Moments and Light on Life, which she founded in 2014, Erin has worked with close to 100 organizations across public and private sectors to design and introduce mindfulness-based initiatives and interventions to support mental health, as well as encourage a culture of wellness at the workplace. She also works with practitioners one-on-one -on -one and in small groups to strengthen their skills and deepen their insights on mindful living. Erin is certified to teach the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program through the Mindfulness-Based Professional Training Institute at the University of California, San Diego Center for Mindfulness, as well as the .B Mindfulness Program to teenagers and young adults as recognized by the Mindfulness in Schools Project. She also holds a Master of Science in Studies in Mindfulness with the University of Aberdeen, UK, and is a professional certified stress management consultant as recognized by the Institute of Motivational Living. Erin is regularly invited to share her expertise in mindfulness-based well-being at conferences and podcast shows, and has most recently been featured as a keynote speaker by the Oxford Mindfulness Foundation. Erin, I am delighted today to extend the warmest of welcomes to you and learn more about this fascinating topic. Well, thank you, Makeda. I'm really happy to be here today. So before we get into our exploration of Shilla, I was wondering if you could share a bit about how you were first introduced to mindfulness. I'm always curious to learn about people's mindfulness story. Yes, I'd love to. Um, I was um, working in the corporate world for about 10 years. And um, throughout the 10 years, I really made myself miserable. Um, I was constantly stressed, burnt out. I didn't know how to take care of myself. 
So at the brink of um, what I felt was an emotional breakdown, um, a very good friend of mine at that time recommended that I should go for a meditation retreat. And that's when I Googled meditation, nearest meditation retreat to me. And so a center popped up in Taiwan and I decided to go there without knowing what it was all about. So it was a 10-day um, silent retreat, Vipassana retreat. And um, so it was a very intensive 10 days, nothing like what I'd experienced before. Um, I had to put away my phone. I couldn't talk or communicate with anyone. Um, and every day it was basically just practicing and meditating and learning to pay attention to myself. And this really transformed my life um, in very, very subtle, but, you know, quite magical ways. Um, and that's when I decided that I wanted to make this my way of life, my personal practice, and I wanted to share it with more people. And so I thought, why not make it my vocation? Wouldn't that be a meaningful thing to do. And that's when I decided to explore this further, to deepen my practice, and also to get myself trained as a teacher. And, you know, so here I am today, just sharing what I know with people, with communities, with organizations. Oh, fascinating. Thank you for sharing. That's so interesting. And tell me, Erin, what exactly is Shilla? So as an overview, Shila is uh, a Pali word in that it has been translated to mean virtue or morality or right conduct. So basically, it is a practice of observing the volitions of our mind and restraining our behaviors in the form of bodily action or speech. So when we follow the Buddha's teachings of the Noble Eightfold Path, um, practicing Shila would include practicing right speech, right action, and engaging in right livelihood, which I hope to um, explain a little more later. And when we go for meditation retreats, we practice shila by observing precepts or rules, such as not killing, not stealing, not lying, not engaging in sexual misconduct, and not consuming intoxicants. So this way of observing precepts supposedly supports us in deepening our practice and also maintaining harmony within our environment. And I think Sheila is something that is not as widely explored as mindfulness meditation in the modern secular context. And this may be quite a curious and unfamiliar concept for the modern audience. Yeah, absolutely. I have to admit, this is my first time hearing of this concept of Sheila, but I'm already very intrigued and, you know, seeing the possible applications and relevance for it in the workplace. Uh, but yeah. before we get into that particular exploration, would you mind sharing your personal journey with Sheila? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I first started practicing mindfulness meditation, I didn't really give a lot of thought or attention to the practice of Shila. I grew up in a, in a rather strict culture, and the idea of having to abide by rules was really not very appealing. I was all for freedom and autonomy, and I really didn't appreciate anybody restricting me from doing anything against my own will. 
So at first I chose to only focus on the meditation, which I thought was the only component worthy of my attention and effort. But gradually the teachings and paying attention to my direct experience really helped me make sense of how important the practice of Sheila was. I learned that only with skillful self-restraint would I be able to practice from a place of groundedness and clarity. And I also learned that the practice of Sheila was something voluntary. Nobody could make me observe these rules except for myself. So I was solely responsible for my own practice of Sheila. So to start an example, um, I was struggling with a drinking problem when I first started meditating. I didn't believe that drinking alcohol had anything to do with my practice of living a mindful way of life. So I would meditate in the morning and then drink quite a lot in the evening, go to sleep and wake up the next morning again to begin the routine. Um, but over time, it became quite clear to me that drinking was actually coming in the way of my practice because alcohol is an intoxicant. So whenever I had even a drop of it in my system, I knew I couldn't practice well because alcohol directly impacts my brain, my faculty of attention. Um, it brings me away from the reality of my experience and it alters my, my moods and my behaviors. It interferes with my ability to regulate myself. So at one point I questioned myself, if my practice is one of skillful self-management and self-regulation, then why am I still consuming this intoxicant? So over time, I understood that I had to set very clear boundaries for myself, and I decided to stop consuming alcohol altogether. And that took me a few years to completely stop. It was very hard work, um, especially when you live in an environment where social drinking is the norm and alcohol was readily available everywhere. But I must say that the change for me has been quite phenomenal. Um, so the gist is that I find I have more capacity to pay attention to myself, my state of mind, my state of body. I'm enjoying better health and well-being, um, greater clarity in decision making. I communicate and interact with people more thoughtfully than before. And I'm also nurturing healthier and wiser relationships. So the, the practice of Sheila for me has been... Um, a practice of discipline, of strong determination, and also of kindness to myself and to the people in my life and my larger environment. So I find this practice to be very valuable and complementary to our current focus on mindfulness and well-being. So I'd like to introduce this as an individual and collective practice within the context of building a mindful workplace. Mm. That's a really fascinating story, Erin, and thank you for your vulnerability and honesty in sharing your own personal experience with Sheila. You know, you touch on something so very important there that mindfulness is, yes, the formal part of the meditation practice, but it offers us so much more and such an enriched way of approaching life and situations and ourselves. That's really powerful story that you've shared there so thank you for that and why do you think Sheila is important at work well um, we spend one third or more of our life at work whether it's physically in the office or nowadays you know um, virtually with the people we work with so it's definitely important to explore how Sheila can make a difference to the, in, in a place that we spend so much time 
So there is this tiny thing that one type of rice feeds a hundred types of people. So when a global workplace is so diverse, um, differences and conflicts are bound to arise. So Sheila, when practiced at both the individual and the collective levels, can help promote and maintain harmony at the workplace, making it a more conducive environment for everyone to thrive. And in a way, I think Sheila at work is kind of like corporate values, such as you know integrity or honesty or respect, which are broad guiding principles that help an organization function better together. But in my experience, working in the corporate world, um, core values have been more often introduced in a more abstract manner. So I know it's good to be honest, but how do I practice that on my own or as a team or as a company? So the practice of Sheila to me is more defined because we are looking at specific actions and determining if these actions are wholesome or unwholesome, skillful or unskillful, not just for ourselves, but for the wider community that we are a part of. So the practice of Sheila um, calls for a deeper reflection of our interconnectedness, the cause and effect of our action, and how they impact one another. So gaining insight from such understanding will make our mindfulness practice more meaningful and more purposeful. Mm-hmm. So how can we actually practice Sheila at work? Um, I, I remember attending a retreat um, which included the practice of Sheila and the precepts. And our teacher reminded us that it is because every one of us were practicing Sheila and refraining from stealing that we were able to practice effectively at the retreat and not feel distracted by the need to guard our belongings all the time. Um, So at the individual level, restraining ourselves from stealing encouraged a more settled, undisturbed mind for meditation. And knowing that everyone was practicing the same Sheila meant that we could all meditate together with ease and be together in, in harmony. So that was a moment of insight for me, this, this realization that rules invite freedom. And this, I think, is very interesting for modern society where we, we advocate values of freedom stemming from the understanding that we are our own person and we should be able to do whatever we want. Um, In the modern context, I like to frame Sheila as a practice of setting healthy boundaries. Mm -hmm. Setting boundaries is not the same as building walls. Um, While building walls is is, uh, impenetrable and it stems from a place of fear and wanting to shut down, establishing boundaries is really grounded in wisdom. It encourages both self-respect and respect for other people. So boundaries are here to ensure safety. And in this safety, we're able to build trust, right? So we can set boundaries for ourselves, the individual, and also for everyone in the community, the collective. And Sheila must be practiced at the individual level as a form of self-restraint. And when each individual practices Sheila, then both the individual and the collective will benefit. So I thought uh, I might share some examples of how we practice Sheila at the workplace. So, for example, the practice of right speech um, at the workplace means that we establish healthy boundaries of what is acceptable and not acceptable in the way that we communicate with one another. So, like harsh words, unfair criticisms, lying, manipulation, these are all very unhealthy ways of communicating, and they are a source of the escalation of many conflicts. And when each person 
practices shila in the way that we communicate, we are more thoughtful in choosing the words we use, the tone of voice we speak in, the context, the environment in which we choose to communicate. Even in times of disagreement, we can still speak authentically, but respectfully and kindly. So imagine how the atmosphere in your workplace might change when everybody practices right speech. So that's right speech. And then we have the practice of right action as a Sheila. So this involves our behaviors at the workplace. We want to set boundaries that ensure wholesome behaviors and prevent unwholesome behaviors so that as much as possible, we don't cause harm to other people and to ourselves. And this can really be as macro as um, honoring legal financial commitments to our clients or employees, um, increasing efforts in driving sustainability to minimize the impact on our environment. And it can also be at the more micro level, like ensuring the availability of healthier snacks in the office pantry, uh, tid tidying up the meeting room after we have used it, not encouraging a coworker to drink alcohol after work if they don't want to, um, not engaging in inappropriate behaviors like sexual harassment or bullying. So the ways to practice Sheila at work is really non-exhaustive and it will work differently for each organization. But the essence of Sheila is to guard our own behaviors so that we live in harmony as a collective. And this can only be achieved when we put in more thoughtfulness in the way we speak and act and when we respect the boundaries that we have established. So much you have said there, so many gems, so much has resonated with me, with what you just shared. I think what stands out to me the most is you said, rules promote freedom. And I, yes. and I love that because it really does provide a structure, provides clarity so that you're, you really do feel empowered um, knowing the boundaries and the confines in which, you know, you're expected to perform and interact. And you are so right. Sheila does seem to provide a framework for actionable ways in which we can yes. embody corporate values and structures as well as the the, the 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 principles of mindfulness as well it really seems like a very tangible and realistic tool that we can use so tell me Aaron, yes. how is Sheila related to mindfulness oh the practice of Sheila always has to be grounded in mindfulness without mindfulness we're just you know blindly following rules without really understanding why so I think it's important to understand the role of mindfulness here. When we practice right speech, for example, we need to be mindfully aware of the thoughts and the volitions of the mind that affect the behavior of speaking. With the skills of mindfulness, we were able to pause in the moment and observe our state of mind without reacting. We will be able to discern whether the impulse to speak in a harsh or condescending way might be helpful or harmful and with this awareness, we can better regulate the way that we communicate. So without mindfulness, we are just responding reactively and we tend to say things we regret later on. And the same would go for behaviors as well um, and how we make decisions. So we notice in our present experience, our habitual tendencies to behave in a certain way. We, with mindfulness, we slow down and we pause we regulate ourselves before we do something unconstructive, like sending out a thoughtless email or impulsively throwing in a towel before thinking it through. 
So um, I think while my, while while Sheila is skillful self-restraint, mindfulness is skillful self-regulation. So mindfulness enables a more successful practice of Sheila and the wholesome outcomes from observing our Sheila further strengthens our confidence and resolve in being mindfully aware of ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in the mindfulness world, right? We've made mindfulness our career. Yes. So this seems totally um, practical and logical and such a no-brainer. But what do you think might be some of the obstacles for other people to practice Sheila at work? And how might we Mm -hmm. overcome them? Yeah. Well, um, I think we live in an era that celebrates individualism a lot and free will. And the practice of Sheila may sometimes come across as archaic and uh, maybe counter to the values of freedom especially if it's being implemented forcefully, it can be perceived as restrictive or imposing. And of course, uh, you know, for many organizations out there, there are already rules and regulations in place to ensure that the company and its employees are being protected. And that's great. And these rules are, um, I would say they are extrinsic in nature. They're usually obeyed out of fear of legal implications. Mm-hmm. Um, the practice of Sheila is meant to be more intrinsic in a sense that we, we choose to practice it because we're able to clearly see the impact and the consequences of our speech and actions. And we understand that each and every one of us are a part of an ecosystem. We're interconnected with one another. So every, every word, every decision, or even every thought that we put up there has the potential of impacting someone else. So Sheila encourages us to take ownership of our own mind and body. And this is rather crucial for motivating more wholesome behaviors at the workplace. Um, So I think it is important for Sheila to be introduced in a way that is not too imposing, but rather empowering. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. So how has Sheila impacted the way you work personally? Well, I'm definitely more intentional in the way that I communicate and the way that I behave. Um, I do my best to speak and write and respond with more thoughtfulness and kindness, even when I may be in a situation of disagreement. And this has really changed the way I interact with people. And I find that I'm enjoying more harmonious relationships at work. Um, On top of this, I also make it a point to keep a check on my actions based on the principle of doing no harm. So my Sheila practice of right livelihood has encouraged me to reevaluate the work that I do, whether it impacts my community or the larger environment in a helpful or harmful way. And I realized that, you know, while earning a living is necessary, as much as possible, I should choose not to engage in work that brings harm to ourselves and to others. Mm. So it almost sounds that Shilla is operating almost like a sort of compass for you. It helps you Mm, set your intentions for how you want to show up in the world, the kind of work that you do, how you communicate. So it's very intentional in nature. Yes, that's right. Okay. And how have you seen it impact relationships at the workplace? The practice of um, yes well we you know um when we bring Sheila into the workplace it's about setting healthy boundaries so when we set these boundaries and we learn to respect these boundaries as a community 
when we take ownership of the way we communicate and how we, we behave around one another, we actually enjoy more psychological safety within the workplace, right? We don't have to worry about, say, being bullied or ridiculed or harassed. We overcome biases and discrimination and we become more inclusive. And most importantly, we enjoy harmony in, in one another's company. And I believe many people um, leave their jobs because of mm. unhealthy or toxic relationships at the workplace. And once we start shifting this with everyone practicing Sheila, I, I believe we will see higher levels of employee retention. Mm. So it's almost as if Sheila can facilitate happiness and being happy while at work. Absolutely. Yeah. And how can it be adopted within an existing ecosystem within the workplace? Mm. Yes. Well, I think it's important not to see the adoption of Sheila as another system of rules and regulations to be imposed on employees, but rather a set of boundaries that everyone comes to accept, um, grounded in this shared understanding that we're all in the same boat and we're all part of the same ecosystem. So this requires creating awareness, uh, listening to perspectives and inviting feedback, testing what works and what doesn't, and allowing time for these boundaries to develop organically. So for example, we may want to explore the Sheila of right speech. And instead of simply telling employees that they shouldn't lie, or they shouldn't swear, or they shouldn't speak rudely, or they will be subject to some disciplinary action, we get them to reflect on the impact and consequences of wrong speech or mindless reactive communication. We get them to share their perspectives about what constitutes wrong and right speech, what kind of relationships they would like to have with their colleagues. We invite them to participate in establishing the boundaries so that it is a collective effort and we encourage them to respect these boundaries and observe for themselves how their workplace changes over time. And I think this will be a very good start. And when we're coming just about to the end of our time together, but I have so enjoyed this conversation and this discussion and I've learned so much and I'm so excited to learn more about Sheila. I think what excites me the most is how we could assist with mindful communication in the workplace. And, you know, so much conflict, so much hurt feelings, so many problems could yeah. come from unmindful communication. So this seems like such a supportive practice um, to help individuals in the workplace, you know, practice right speech, avoid costly misunderstandings, avoid hurt feelings. Um, I'm really excited about, you know, how the self-regulation could help us find more happiness in the workplace. You know, I don't know if many people think or associate the word with happy with work, but I'm seeing here how it is possible to get a marriage with the two, with this practice. Yes. And, you know, you what you said earlier about how mindfulness supports this practice is so true. You know, just mm -hmm. learning how to regulate ourselves, learning how to pause, reflect, you know, is such a powerful practice, I think, in helping us embody the principles of mindfulness every day. So thank you so much for sharing what you know about this fascinating topic with us. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to share. <laughs> And if our listeners would like to continue to follow your work and get in touch with you, how might they do so? 
they could visit my website, which is mindfulmoments.sg. Um, or I, I also have a teacher profile on Insight Timer with some resources. So they could just go to the Insight Timer app and look for me, Erin Lee. Um, and one of the best ways to reach out to me is via LinkedIn. I'm quite active on that. So um, we can just do that. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. I will be sure to follow you on LinkedIn after. Thank the, you. After Thank our you. time here together. Likewise, I'll follow you as well, Makeda. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Makeda McKenzie for the Oxford Mindfulness Foundation. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. And we look forward to connecting with you soon.